I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Payoneer, a digital payment platform that provides online money transfer with its fast, flexible, secure, and low-cost solutions. Businesses across the world can pay and get paid globally. Visit Payoneer.com now. Also by Chatbot.ph. Save time and effort for your business. Automate how your team does customer service, marketing, and key redundant processes. All by using a chatbot. Invest in your own chatbot now and use AI to run your business. Go to www.chatbot.ph And that's why we have to make it better. That's why we have to make the designs beautiful and of high quality. It's because we're doing this for a purpose that will last for a longer time than just having a nice bag for a season. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitong. Welcome to episode 52 of the Hustle Share podcast. My name is Ronster, and I'm your host. And this episode is powered by Payoneer, a digital payment platform that provides online money transfer, empowering businesses around the world to grow globally. We are a proud affiliate of Podcast Network Asia, but before we begin this episode, I'd like to remind you that there's a lot of adult language that we use in this podcast, so make sure there are no kids when you're listening to this. Because today we're going to be talking about social enterprises and our guests for this episode are a power couple. 
that dictates this hustle through and through. And their names are Mark Ruiz of Happy Noy and Reese Fernandez Ruiz of Rags to Riches. And this is one of those episodes that you're going to be learning a lot because social enterprises are very prominent now. However, people have a hard time classifying them because they're for profit, but they're also for social good. And today we're going to be having a deep dive with two excellent founders who are well into this hustle because they're both going to share how they originated their social enterprises and what led them to go on this mission to help the communities that they support. Mark and Reese are also going to be talking about how they ended up working together and how they were able to build early traction for each of their social enterprises. And this is where it gets interesting because Mark and Reese will shed some light over what differentiates a social enterprise versus a charity, a cause, or a CSR. And not just that, they're also going to be talking about the common misconceptions of people when they encounter social enterprises. And it's going to get real in this episode because Reese and Mark are going to talk about their struggles in putting up their social enterprises and scaling it to what it is now. And as always, make sure to take down notes because they are going to be sharing a lot of tips in terms of fundraising, working with your significant other, and their advice for people who want to be or are in a social enterprise. So if you're ready to learn the hustle of a social enterprise power couple, let's begin this episode right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. Oh my god, this finally happened. <laughs> oh my god, this is <laughs> I've been bugging these two people. I know they're already busy, so obviously there's two you hear two voices, right? This is the first time I've actually got to talk to you guys in the same conversation. Mm-hmm. We always talk, so yeah. uh, let me just uh, give an intro where the intro is due. So we have our guest today. A social enterprise power couple. I don't know anybody or any uh, couple that is as most legit as these two. Not sure about the power part. <laughs> uh, okay, we couple. No, hell no. Come on. You guys are a power couple. So let's welcome to the show. Welcome to Hustle Share. Mark Ruiz and Reese Fernandez Ruiz. Okay, so I'll ask you the middle, not the middle, million dollar question. Guys, what's your hustle? All right, so, well... Hustling for me, and I mean being a social entrepreneur, right. I guess we could really distill it uh, in, in Happy Noy, obviously, which we're going to talk about. Okay. The, in, in our heads, it's really the tagline, Para kay nanay. Para kay nanay. So, Not tatay. Sorry, tatay. I mean, of course, right. uh, there's tatay also involved, <laughs> okay, obviously. Okay. But if we talk about hustling in the context of this conversation, which is right. social enterprise, right. and obviously the work we do both in Happy Noy and Rags to Riches, right. uh, that's what's really on my mind really okay. a lot when we're hustling. It's like it's for the back mothers. to the core, for the mothers, for yeah. the sorry, sorry store owners. Okay, so yeah. just to provide context, we'll do a deep dive later what the yeah. hell Happy Noy is. Yeah. It's not Happy Pilipinas, okay? Yeah. This is this is a social enterprise startup which actually has tech play in it, correct? A little bit. Thanks little to bit. you guys as well. Oh, yeah. thank you. Power <laughs> chat, <laughs> pH, number one. <laughs> and of course, Reese, you are the. I mean, oh my God, I don't even. I'm a fan, fan girl. My girlfriend this early wants to do a shout out because oh. she's a big fan of Rags to Riches. But Reese, what's your hustle? So my hustle is um, creating an inclusive fashion social enterprise. Okay. Like, 
inclusive supply chain that's in fashion okay. um, together with community artisans that are usually not included in any supply chain. Okay, so obviously what you mean, what you mean by inclusive, these are the, the segments of society that are not usually given the same opportunities as everyone. Is that correct? Exactly, because they're like from depends on their background or mm-hmm. educational attainment okay. so different barriers to entry but right. we try as much as possible to open as many doors as we can okay now before we open the doors let's ra- open the door <laughs> of our hustle shared time machine um, where we go way back <laughs> way back machine <laughs> I, I think they have their own sound effects <laughs> we actually go raw on this one. Oh, okay uh, we will go um, we can we will be upgrading our shit so watch out for that <laughs> Uh, where there's live sound effects and fake clap people and whatnot. <laughs> cool. um, but basically, let's start. Let's go way back. So I've done a little bit of stalking, like what I said, as I always do in LinkedIn. And LinkedIn doesn't pay me, unfortunately. Right? But how did you guys start your hustle? Let's start with Reese first. Let's do Serpentine on this one. Sure. How did you start? Because Rax Riches has gone miles and no, not even miles, like light years already. But how did this journey start for you in, in terms of social enterprise? Hmm. So it started about 12 years ago now. Wow. So almost 12 years this mm-hmm. coming November. Mm-hmm. And it started because um, a group of young professionals, including myself and mm-hmm. including Mark, actually. So we're okay. co-founders in Rags to Riches. Wow, I did yes. not know this. this is, what the fuck? Side, yeah. <laughs> okay. Side story is that that's actually how we got together as a couple. Oh, so there's so Rags yeah. to husbands. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, there are so many. Line from yeah. Okay. Because we found love in a hopeless place. There you go. Right? Yeah, it's that's so profound. <laughs> the kids yeah. don't know that that song. Yeah, there are yeah. only a few, but okay, cool. So wow, you, it's not considered an old song. Dude, great. you won't believe how kids are right now. I say, like for example. I say jokes and I get complete other yeah, side. I've the jokes already, man. <laughs> I'm carbon dated. Yeah, we kids. have to up our game. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to, so you went Rihanna. You found each other in a hopeless place. How did Rags to Riches come about? And how did Mark come into this, this whole journey? Because I remember being, okay, I'll carbon date you now, Mark. Yeah. So I met Mark. He did a talk in UST. Before was I was that? in college, oh, I was like, "Hi, sir, Mark." I was, I, I remember even fucking. <laughs> I was like around 2017. I'm, no. just <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, this is 2009, 2010. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right. And Rack to Riches was already prominent by that yeah. time, yeah. right? And there was legit and whatnot. So <laughs> prior to this, how did this whole thing? How did the concept of Rack to Riches come about? So yeah, Mark has been there from the start. I've been there from the start. Okay. It's really like uh, a group of people, like-minded and like-hearted, coming mm-hmm. together, seeing a social problem okay. in Payatas. One Payatas. of the yes, in Payatas, QC, yes, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the biggest um, places where you could see. Uh, urban poor areas. Right. So it's a favorite place to go to when you're doing outreach programs. So yep. that's kind of the branding. Like when you think of outreach, you think of Payatas, you think of Tondo. Right. So it's one of the those places. But in those places are, you know, real human beings with real stories behind them. True. And 
they are hustling as well, yep. um, making their lives yes, right. making their lives better for themselves and their families and their future. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that they used to do is rug making. So there's a group of artisans. We call them artisans now. Okay. But really, in the beginning, they were called rug weavers, rug makers. Wow. Um, yeah, so they were making foot rugs in their own homes. These are the ones uh, that are, get sold on the streets. Exactly, yeah. So you could see the, the people like with a lot of rugs on top of their they're, heads. They're the retasos per se. Exactly. Right? Yes, okay. exactly. And But the backstory behind that is that they were only earning 10 to 16 pesos a day. What? Not per rug. Per day. Are you kidding me? What can yeah. you buy? Nothing. But they, but they bite the bullet anyway because wow. what choice do they have? Exactly. And so... Um, they were making these foot rugs out of fabric and we saw the situation and we kind of pried deeper into the cause of the problem. Okay. And it was because they didn't have access to the market or to the supply of wow. fabric. So the usual, because of where you are and where you're from and who you are, mm-hmm. you don't have access to a lot of things, including the market. So you can't just go to a department store and offer your rugs there right. and expect them to buy without your documentation. You of know? course, of course. So, Plus discrimination too. You know, of course, yes, right? exactly. Stigma and all the everything else that comes with. Yes, so the barriers to entry mm. is just really high. Right. So when we saw that situation, we thought, okay, um, they are in between a series of a lot of middlemen who are right. getting most of the profits. Mm. Similar to how the farmers are getting fucked now. I mean, we can cuss here, by the way. Yeah. Uh, oh, you can. Great. Yeah, okay. I like this podcast. Okay. <laughs> so empty ICB. Sorry. <laughs> we are not under your control. <laughs> We're in the digital world. Yeah. <laughs> so there, I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's always the last mile that gets messed up a lot. Uh, and yes. that's something that, that happens. But let me just take, take, a, take a step back again. Mm-hmm. How did this start? This love for helping out come from you. Let's let's start with Mark. I mean, you you've been because you, there's a common denominator here. It's it's people first before you, and you gotta sustain the whole ship at the end of the day as a social enterprise, yeah. which is not like a charity where the charity is all out. Yeah. You know, there's this has gotta be you gotta sustain the boat in order to be able to help. For you, Mark, how did you start your journey with this? Because this is a calling to. Not be not a lot of people can just fucking ride with this and just you know because if, if you're faking it it's not gonna work. How did well, this absolutely. start? Absolutely, I mean it's it's not an easy road. First first thing because the, mm. the last thing we wanna you know when we were starting out, it was always about sort of like painting rose colored glasses about helping. Right. But I think what you hit the nail on the head and then maybe it's you have to go back to somewhere deep inside of you and say this is what you want to do. Yeah. And sort of like this is sort of like. As much as you can discern or pray over it, uh, sort of like um, a core purpose, as right. it were, that was sort of like planted in you that you just really wanted to pursue. And and for me, you know, I started my journey actually in corporate. And so oh. I actually worked in a FMCG company. Okay. Typical. What were you doing back then? Um, sales and customer marketing. Ah, uh, um, there you go. Okay. And yeah. And so, but uh, after five, six, seven years of doing that, right. just there's just this itch I wanted to scratch. Okay. And um, and it wasn't because uh, I was unhappy at work. In fact, I really right. loved the, the the job I was in, okay. truthfully. Okay. But there was sort of like there must be a little There's bit something, something miss, right. more or something right. I'm missing here, mm-hmm. and sort of like um, sort of distilled it in a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was sort of like a passion for education. Okay. Um, and there was a passion as well for uh, corny as it may sound, helping the country. Right. Um, 
And there was one book in particular that became very, very influential. Got it. And this book was uh, by Muhammad Yunus called Banker to the Poor. Okay. Where basically you could actually help poor people okay. um, in a sustainable manner mm. uh, through microfinance. Wow. And, uh, and that really set me down this journey. And there's another book, which is um, How to Change the World by, and it's about Ashoka, Social Entrepreneurs. Okay. We'll have this in the mind. show notes, by the way, if you want to read yeah. this. Okay, you can go to hustleshare.com. That's and it. yeah, and then basically that set me on a journey, uh, resigned, and mm. then uh, with a like-minded person, Bam Aquino, sort of looked into different opportunities and we were quite lucky because we actually, you know, connected with other like-minded individuals. And back then, uh, Bam was doing what? He was was yeah. he? Is, is he the senator, the cool guy no, that we're that going like, to dude, do a circa, Star Wars podcast? <laughs> <laughs> this was like circa 2006, so I've known him wow. ever since we were kids. Okay. And at this time in his career, he had actually just finished uh, his stint in the National Youth Commission, so he was actually yeah. in government. But wow. at that time, he was not very happy with the current state of things. Right. And so he decided to go to the private sector. Got and it. his motivation was quite interesting. He was saying, you know, I've always been social development. Prior mm-hmm. to the National Youth Commission, he was actually working in NGO. This guy who okay. was our valedictorian in Suba Cum Laude. Got it. Basically, he worked in Bayan Foundation what? Uh, for a year, then went into NYC. And then wow. his path was developmental. And he said, you know, I wanted to explore opportunities we're in from a developmental angle mm-hmm. let's help but how can we do it in a sustainable manner mm-hmm. I was coming from it from a corporate perspective we're in you know how can we build something sustainable and help people as well wow. so we sort of like met in the middle but the story will unfold uh, you know in a larger degree because we eventually met my former boss Manny Deluna and wow. uh, Rapa Lopa and Dr. Aris Alip who is the founder yeah, of is. CARD the largest MFI and you know with other individuals we sort of like all came together and started Happy Noi. That is awesome. Yeah. Now, Happy Noi, where did the lab start? How did you end up in Rags to Riches? How did yeah. you meet each other and uh, how did this rag? Do you want to tell or Because those two things actually started at the same time. Yeah. Parallel. So the interesting thing is actually okay. Bam is also a co-founder of Rags to Riches. Yes. Wow. <laughs> because we were, during that time, wanted to just you know, work with people we like and, okay. like, put it's them all together <laughs> in the same in place. Room, got it. Yes. And then, but again, here's one thing. While you're running this, and this is something that I always had to ask any hustler that's been here, well, did you go all in? Because when you go all in, right, you know, how do you make ends meet for yourself? Because you can't help other people yeah. if you're not helping yourself. Yes. How were you guys doing that when everything, there's no traction yet, it wasn't what mm-hmm. it is yet. How are you helping yourself to be enabled to help others? Yeah, so maybe I could answer that and like sort of um, answer your first question as okay. well about like how I started, like personally, how I got into social entrepreneurship. Yes. So for me, it's a very important question because I didn't come from money. Okay. And even if I graduated from a good school mm-hmm. and had lots of opportunities, OBF. I really had there to like. Mm-hmm. I just had to get seven zero right yeah. now, first round. I really. We were cool. close. We were close. <laughs> Not quite. We'll get you on the second round. Though. Yeah. <laughs> you pee sucked at it. Sorry. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, I uh, had to fend for myself from the beginning. So yeah. I knew that, you know, I didn't have a safety net, mm-hmm. um, didn't have a home that I could go to and just like have to work and 
save up money for myself. I yeah. needed to pay for my own rent, for my own electricity, yeah. for adulting. laundry, everything. Right. Yeah, adulting right after college. Wow. It's not like, there's no leeway. And it's not easy. Uh. It's a fucking no, culture it's shock. Not, right? Yeah, it's not easy. And I also had um, to provide for my family. So right. I was kind of a breadwinner. And that was because um, growing up, uh, my mom is a missionary worker. Wow. Uh, my dad's abroad. Okay. Um, but... Of course, you know, we had to make ends meet. Right. And as a missionary worker, my mom didn't really earn yeah. at all. Right. So she had like gigs and everything. Mm. So my exposure from a very early age is very simple. Okay. But I saw a lot of realities in life right. very early on. Like uh, when I was three years old, we would go around Kiapot Church. And yep. my mom was a missionary there. And my playmates would be street kids. And no during that time, yeah, and during that time, we would, of course, talk about our future and what we want to do when we right, grow up. Right. Um, but I ended up here in a much better place than my playmates, not because I'm better than them, because honestly, a lot of them are much smarter than, than I am. Mm-hmm. But they were not given the opportunities that I was given. Correct. Okay. So I think that was that has been my motivation ever since. Like I okay. got the scholarships and during the time when I was in university, I'd always feel that, you know, I'm here because of the decision of strangers. So that's for me that's that's why I feel that decisions are so important that we have to be more intentional about them. So every single decision we make can really make or break somebody else's life. So I think for me, it was that. And okay. also, sorry, Ateneo Education really helped process this whole thing as well. Because yep. um, I could just end up fending for myself and just making myself rich, right? Exactly. But I think Ateneo Education just put my whole history in context okay. and made me realize that um, I didn't go through all of the things I went through by accident. Yeah. And There's so a I could, calling yeah. So I could make something out of it, mm-hmm. and so that was my personal motivation for being part of Rags to Riches. Wow. Yeah. So making ends meet is super important. I am just so lucky, I guess, that I have very low. I'm, I'm a very low maintenance person. Got I could it. live on cup noodles. Or okay, even instant noodles. Okay. It's true. <laughs> and and yeah. And okay. cup noodles is a bit more expensive than the right, ones that right. are in the in the plastic pack. So yeah, yeah. I take that more. <laughs> but yeah, I used to I am just really simple. Like I don't like a lot of stuff. Right. So I think just Mark. Yeah, just Mark. <laughs> and he's not stuff. Nice okay. And my kids. <laughs> yeah. There but you go. But yeah, so I think it helps that your lifestyle is in check. Um, because otherwise, you can't really do this or any business at that. Correct. If but you keep on like spending so much. Was there any side hustle? Because, you know, you got to pay your shit. I mean, you got to, again, you're you're breadwinner. How did you do that? Like for me, in, in the next, in, when we do the break, I'm going to tell people about how I went all in and I fucking regretted it. And I didn't do any side hustle. For you, how did you make that? Because you jumped from corporate to now Happy Noi. Yeah, so... And Reese was also doing this full-time. How well, did you get me? The thing is, after corporate, uh, I had not a lot, but some savings. Okay. And being a nerd, okay. I, to be honest, I totally computed how much those savings would last me. Ah, so you planned and, it out. Uh, okay. But it's not a lot, but, but it also meant really adjusting my lifestyle. Sacrifice. So like um, 
And like what we said, you know, we just have very simple needs in life. Got it. Uh, it was noodles the common denominator <laughs> between the love story. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> like I, I mean, got it's no not like, uh, but, all. <laughs> of course, it's different. When you're in corporate and you're making X amount, obviously, it's a different lifestyle. But right. um, when you start adjusting to this, then sort of like, you also have to adjust your lifestyle a little you bit. You Marie Kondo yeah. your lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, for, so that, that, you know, I, I knew that I would last a little over two years. Got it. Thankfully, uh, a little, yeah, but we started getting paid actually a year after starting both. That's nice. Yeah. Yes. But for race, you said you were a breadwinner. The yes. stakes are higher. Yes. yes. How did you make, how did you get by? So honestly, during the first year of Rags to Riches, I, was all, I also had another job, which mm. is very flexible because it was an Atene School of Government and it was ah. under, yeah, youth leadership and social entrepreneurship. Perfect. So it's under people who really understand okay. that um, I'm also starting Rags mm. to Riches and they're very, very supportive. Mm-hmm. I honestly wouldn't have um, survived that year without them. So Got I it. really... So I, I I really respect these um, leaders who took a chance on me sure. and decided that yeah okay you could do this as well mm-hmm. on the side mm-hmm. and like build programs with us like be, I was a program assistant then mm-hmm. and so these leaders they were really actively looking for ways for me to earn more wow. which is yeah like they would bring me to seminars so that. <laughs> And even if I just have to like listen and mm. staple a few papers together, Got it. they would yeah they would really look for ways for me um, to fend for myself yes. yes and to take care of my family or my mom. That's amazing. So they're right. like I, I credit these people. So I really feel that if you are um, you have a a business or a side hustle and you also have work that allows you to do your side hustle, you have to respect that work. And you have to really love it and dedicate as well to it because it's allowing you to do the things you love exactly. rather than hating it all the time. And like, exactly. Diba? Parang I feel na sometimes we put so much um, glamour into the side hustle right. that we forget um, the companies. What pays the bills. Yeah, what right. pays the bills. And we actually have to give them due respect. Exactly. Because we couldn't do what we do without. You can't just feed the the heart all the time. Yes. Or the passion <laughs> without you know your meralco will not yeah. accept passion, <laughs> bro. Know, yes. That's what it is, and that's where also adulting really kicks in full yeah. full blown. If you know how to respect both, yeah, and give equal importance, that actually whatever pays the bills is actually more important too, because that's your now. Yes. As you're building your future, eventually you'll get there, but. Dude, you can't shit on what you're you're doing now. Yes. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, let's uh, talk about how you further scaled together as a kapal. <laughs> this should have been our Valentine's episode. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCon PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break, and we're still with Mark and uh, Reese Ruiz. So you still have the last name, same last name now. So I'm not gonna flump <laughs> my. Uh, I always flump the last names all day. But before we continue, I'd like to thank uh, Podcast Network Asia, whose studios are located in We Remote Co-working Philippines, in this very beautiful studio that we're in, for helping us out with the show. Is check out your our. Um, social network accounts at Podcast Network Asia on Instagram or check out our website at podcastnetwork.asia. Okay, so going back, here's here's what here's the biggest elephant in my head. It's not in the room, it's in my head. <laughs> Let's just educate and call a spade a spade for those people. What's the difference between a social enterprise versus a charity? Because this is where always like, oh, are you Bantai Bata 163 where it's a cause? Or what's, what's the difference uh, with, with, between a social enterprise? Yeah, so we always get that question. And not just about like social enterprise versus a charity. It's also it. social enterprise versus a CSR. Mm. So it's always that. But there's always that um, confusion. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the definition of social enterprise has been um, evolving ever okay. since it started. Mm-hmm. And there is no one school of thought that's really like, accepted by everyone without right. arguments. There will always be arguments. Right. So I think for us, because we're both uh, corporations, like Fapinoy and Rags Riches, we're corporations. Got There's it. no such thing as a social enterprise, as a legal entity. Got it. So it's just, you know, whether you're like a corporation, sole proprietorship, partnership, or you're a foundation, nonprofit, whatever. Mm-hmm. So for us, we're a corporation. Mm-hmm. And, but... The reason why we started is because of a social mission. Yes. And every single thing we do in our company is mm. towards making that social mission happen. Got it. So when that social mission happens, um, we are we, we we feel that we're successful. Got it. And but at the same time, we have to also generate profit, generate income, so that we could sustain ourselves. Okay. So it has evolved so much. So, so yeah. I feel that um, we don't just use the word social enterprise now I, I don't think I use it too much anymore because it. No, it can be used as a double-edged sword it really, by people yes too. exactly right. and sometimes it's confusing so mm. for us we are an inclusive business inclusive so, yes inclusive business so we think about those 
um, that society or the economy has left behind. Correct. Um, for one reason or... Yes, the lion zone. Yes. So for one reason or another... Go, 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 Yeah. <laughs> so for... I have to get it out. Like, this is, I have to. <laughs> Mark knows the backstory of this. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to talk about, about this. We are not going to talk about this here because... You're going to have so many trolls. <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> yeah, it's... So, yeah. Um... So for us, it's that we're an inclusive right. business, and mm-hmm. a lot of companies that are like very big corporations are doing the practices that we've been doing as well. And honestly, for us, that's a good thing. Right. So we don't claim to be better just because right. we, uh, like, we identify ourselves as okay. a social enterprise. But rather, I think social enterprise is more of a principle yes. than you know. Um, uh, a division, like a way to divide and categorize ourselves as better than everyone else. Got it. But in terms of mindset, right? I mean, philosophize, when you create a business, well, the way it's taught in school is what to maximize profit. Yeah. That's what it is. Is there a cap that you want to maximize on so that when you help out other people, because you're trying to help out, pay it forward first, right? That's the mentality, right? It, do you sacrifice profitability at some point so that you can help out others? So that's the... Interesting thing that maybe I could weigh on, weigh in on is basically um, when we talk about, and to be honest, like what Reese had mentioned, uh, even today, and we've been at, you know, we've been part of so many communities, right. locally and around the world, and right. even the definition of social enterprise is sort of like opening a can, can of worms, exactly. That we would like, you know, spend hours debating, <laughs> and we've had box. those debates already, right? There, right. But uh, maybe I'll answer your question directly, which okay. is like, uh, for us personally. There's profit maximization if you're right. a business. Mm-hmm. But if you're a social enterprise, you sort of like um, go for what I would call profit optimization. Because um, okay. in a sense, uh, if you were a business, there are so many things that a social enterprise will do which will really not make sense. True. Um, concrete example, rags to riches. It's easier to explain it that way. Okay. If you're a regular business, your tendency is, if with the, when it comes to your suppliers... You actually want to pay them last. Correct. You know, so like, you know, the inputs I get from my business, I'm going to pay them and I'm going to delay the payment as soon as reasonably possible. Okay. Get the best terms. But okay. in R2R, the suppliers are the nanis, yes. the community artisans. So you've literally turned that model around where right. now you actually have to pay the nanis first mm-hmm. before you even actually finish the product or sell the product. And so exactly. in that sense, it's not, but then again, you still make money out of that entire equation. Correct. But it's a non optimal. Profit maximization, business practice. Correct. And that's, that's what, why I think that there's a big side of it. Because at the end of the day, you know, at the end it was like, oh, shoot, I get, but a normal business would, okay, this could have been dividend money, but no, let's do the nannies first, right? And that's where that, that thing, and Reese mentioned something that I wanted to, to deep, do a deep dive on. First one is you said the North Star or the, the common goal. Who defines that for you? And how do you do that as in a consensus? Because everybody has their own agenda. Let's call that a speed. Mm. Right? But how do you drop all your egos and leave it on the door and like, all right, let's go for this. I'm with you. And how do you define that? Okay, that we're a business. And at the end of the day, we're also going to help out the community that we're doing. 
So being an inclusive business means that that's really not just up to you or the co-founders, but okay. you include the community in the discussion. Because, mm-hmm. you know, one of my pet peeves, like, ever since, is um, all of these uh, conferences talking about, oh, let's help MSMEs. And then in that conference, they're all tycoons. There's not one who's an MSME. So, so there's no representation. <laughs> We've been there. I've okay. joined recently yeah. in one of those. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, they mean well, and I love I, them. Yeah. But at the same time, like, okay, the people who know their problems are not here to talk about mm-hmm. how they can fix their problems with us. So it's like talking down on them and thinking that we know better. Correct. And honestly, we really don't. So when um, when we were starting, we were very conscious about that, okay. that the North Star, the direction of where the North Star should be shouldn't just come from us, the co-founders, who are from good schools, who speak like this, and who think we know everything. Okay. So it has to, <laughs> yeah, it has to involve the people that right. we are trying to support mm-hmm. um, because it's their lives too. And in fact, they have more stake in this. Right. So we got together, and yeah. this takes a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of tears. True. Thankfully, not blood. Okay. But we just like, <laughs> we just come together and talk about um, what it means for us to be successful. Got it. And so that's how we defined it. So it's not just about profitability. It's also about profitability. Mm. But profitability towards what? Got so it. for our community artisans, it's about their future and their families. Okay. So it's very clear to us that what we're doing... Um, they're creating really nice bags and nice. fashion accessories. And we're very passionate about them as well. Yeah. But we know that they are just our vehicles to okay. get to what we really, really want, which is quality of life for more people. And that's why we have to make it better. That's why we have to make the designs beautiful and of high quality. It's because we're doing this for a purpose that will last for a longer time than just having a nice bag for a season. Correct. Wow. That that, was, that, that can be my whole uh, <laughs> intro already on that one. But I, I'm, I wanted, I'm curious in terms of uh, business model creation. You know, in a startup, technically, you'd have to do a pivot and whatnot, validate your, your, your stuff and whatnot. For you guys, how do you define that and how do you nail down what works first? And then my follow-up question with that is that how were you able to scale it for each of your startups, at least for Happinoy and for Rex Riches? Yeah, so, well, first thing, I, sh- I should probably clarify that Happinoy is a yeah. hybrid social enterprise. Got it. What do you, so, why hybrid? What do you mean? So, like what Reese mentioned earlier, technically, when you go to SEC today, okay. it's not like there's a form that says, hey, social enterprise. And then <laughs> you, it's either you're a for-profit right. or non-profit. Okay. And going back again to this whole, like, what is a social enterprise? In reality, it's sort of like trying to do a bit of both. Got it. And in other parts of the country, uh, sorry, parts of the world, like you see mm. already... Um, in some countries like in Australia or in UK, they're actually starting to define such an entity, ah. which is a social enterprise. In the US, the closest thing they would probably have is B-Corp. a B Corp, which is sort wow. of like a sort of like a seal, right? And so, um, in the beginning, Happynoy started out just really full on as a corporation. Got it. And then we realized fairly quickly, well, fairly quickly, relatively in around three four years. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we were trying to get the best of both worlds, but we had contained ourselves into this mm-hmm. paradigm we're in, just a pure business. But mm-hmm. in reality, a lot of the things we do actually are things that NGOs and foundations would actually be doing. And so what we did was spin off a foundation, thereby ah. actually allow Happynoy to be able to get in other forms of support so that then we could engage in training and capacity building, which is very, very difficult to sustain as a business. 
right. uh, at scale, especially when you're talking about correct, thousands correct. of sari sari stores. Correct. And so that was like one pivot that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we were doing that, then we actually had to focus on the other parts, which are the revenue generating parts. Got and it. for this, this is really sort of like, and I don't know if I can mention Eva's here. You can. Like shout, a, out Eva, shout out to Eva. Shout out to Eva. Sort of two. like he's in a... Uh, a big chunk of our journey sort <laughs> right. of like in the middle. Right. Because we actually had to go through, you know, a number of iterations okay. uh, to get to where we're at. Yep. And the thing is, it's always evolving, especially now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look at it in terms of like the core tenets of Happy Noi, basically there's training, right. which as I had mentioned now, is now with our foundation beginning on year four. Got it. Uh, and there's always microfinance because that was, you know, part of the genesis. Yep. And uh, Cardo's always part of the beginning and they're actually a co-founder okay. of Happy Noi as well. And so microfinance in itself is actually probably the most sustainable social development engine in the world today exactly. at scale. But not yeah. predatory. Not predatory. So that's right. that's very, very critical. And so mm-hmm. linking to that uh, you know, paradigm or engine or entity such as Card and microfinance, right. there was already a model we're in, you know, through the microfinance, there was an element of sustainability. And then the third component of Happy Noi uh, is really the business opportunities. Got and it. so here we sort of like iterate because, you know, the market changes yes. through the years. And right. so in terms of the pivots, we could go through several iterations. In right. fact, uh, we started out as a distributor actually mm. and then quickly learned what's the problem we're actually solving uh, if there are already distributors and there's like pure goals in you yeah. know, different areas. Correct. Um, well, actually, in the beginning, it was a problem because going back to Happy Noi, our core is really rural areas. Right. And in those rural areas, um, distributors wouldn't reach all of them. Okay. And then there weren't all these like mega wholesalers which are present today. Mm. And so when we were starting, it was sort of like a problem you were solving. Yeah. But, you know, what we quickly learned when a distributor would be set up or say a big wholesaler right. would set up shop. You know, the nanites would just naturally gravitate towards that. Correct. Because they're scale they're scaled with a wholesaler, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And so then sort of like our main, you know, we're not our core is not to solve distribution. Our core is how can we help the nanai grow her business. Got it. And distribution is one part of it. At that time it was very, very relevant. Right. Uh, in rural areas. Mm-hmm. But you know, some other pieces of the ecosystem got built and started solving that problem. Yeah. And so then we had to start iterating and iterating. And so this goes in. So that's question. where the startup DNA also. Yeah. Happens. So it's it's again, just because you're a social enterprise doesn't mean it's an easy journey. Exactly. So that part of Happiness has gone through a number of iterations through the years. Okay. Now yeah. for, for Reese on your end, uh, how did you do that in terms of uh, putting that out and then getting to again getting the early bumps out of the way and whatnot. Yeah. So on paper, um, our to ours uh, business model looks really simple. Right. Like we make bags, we sell bags right. that are made by community artisans. Uh-huh. But underneath it all is much more complicated. Like right. there are so many problems that you have to solve in the supply chain. Yeah. And. These problems are the reasons why a lot of livelihood programs don't really fly. Mm. So you see a lot of communities creating tocino, longanisa, right. hot dog, candle, <laughs> soap. So yeah, they make everything but sell nothing or sell a little. Because? Because they don't have access to the market. Mm. The quality control of the products is not there. Correct. And not necessarily market-driven, their products. It. So it's more of skills-driven. But you have to always marry the market and the skills. Yeah, match it up, right. 
Yes, and that's mm-hmm. not always easy. So when we were starting, we realized that there's so many bumps in the road, as okay. you mentioned. So mm-hmm. for example, one, mm-hmm. um, the artisans don't really understand the kind of quality that the the market expects mm-hmm. of them. And it's very understandable because if your background is very different and mm-hmm. your priorities are very different, you right. don't really care if the zipper is gold or black <laughs> or whatever, right? As right. long as it closes, yeah. you're good, even mm-hmm. if it's um, not well done. Correct. But if you're selling to a higher-end market mm-hmm. that you've never been to, that you don't really know or understand, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to... To like make adjustments so Got that it. your quality will match their expectations. Mm-hmm. So quality control is very difficult from the beginning, and design is also very difficult. Oh, yeah, because honestly, I, I studied in a good school and everything, but because of how I grew up, I don't really have great taste in the beginning. <laughs> right? Like I don't really care about fashion at all. Right. Never cared about fashion. <laughs> so he was pointing at Mark. <laughs> No, great taste in clothes. In right. men, I think I have excellent oh, taste. There you go. <laughs> oh, there you go. Cheesy, cheesy style. So, so yeah, um, I, I, I didn't have that exposure. So if I didn't have that exposure, what more for an artisan who grew up in Payatas or in Tundo? Yes, yes. Right? So it's very hard to bridge that, that gap. And so we had to teach a lot of our artisans. Spoon feeding, I would assume. Um, as much as possible, it's more of building the bridges and right. letting them like walk on the, those bridges and open those doors. Lead them to it, right. Yes. Um, mm. And it was never about us just telling them what to do, but us just opening doors for them to see. Because it's more effective if you see it rather than if you hear it. Got so it. like for example, if we say um, you have to have great quality, what does that really mean? Okay. So what one of the things we did in the beginning was um, we gathered some 30 of them during right. that time we were 30. Right. And then we went to a high-end mall. Wow. We split into smaller groups so we don't look like a field trip. Right. And then we went into the different <laughs> high-end stores. Right. Yeah. It was a great day. Yeah. It was a great day. And then they saw the Funny. quality of the bags, the quality mm. of the products in that mall. They've never been to that mall because they couldn't afford anything in that mall. I couldn't afford anything in that mall. So, uh, And then we had to process our um, discoveries of that day okay. after that. But after that, the artisans realize what it really means. So it's showing, not just saying. Um, so that was important. And it took a long time to really get to the kind of quality that we have right now. It took about four years of community wow. building. Yeah. And um, fixing production um, because they're mostly work from home artisans. Right, so how right. do you ensure quality, right delivery, yep. and everything Deadlines. else? Right. Deadlines. So we had to fix all of those. And now it's a system that works and that we could replicate. Wow. Um, but to your question earlier about scale, um, I think scale means uh, like it's different. Like it's different for every kind of industry and organization. Of course. In the beginning, I thought, you know, scale is everything. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to livelihood organizations or livelihood social enterprises like ours, mm-hmm. that's super handmade. Mm-hmm. Scale looks very different from a tech enterprise. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Right. So, so it's very different. So we also have to be very careful about that. And we had to understand the kind of impact we want. And we realized that our impact is not necessarily on the scale, but on the depth. 
depth. So when we do the depth, yeah, that's yeah. how we do the scale after. Wow. Now, you said you mentioned scale and depth and all that. I'm curious about metrics. What do you guys measure in in as a social enterprise? Because as a tech startup, okay, we can do this, all these cute metrics. It's all kind of there. You just gotta be good at googling shit, right? But <laughs> how, for for you guys, what are the metrics that you care about most? Because if you're talking about depth, how do you fucking measure depth, and and how do you scale from that? Yeah. So maybe I could answer that first. Um, okay. So. In the beginning, we measured so much because yeah. there's just a lot of. I mean, we also Google right. stuff. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure there's but, less. Uh, yeah, but there are also quite a lot of metrics that development um, professionals ah, use okay. that we could also use. So okay. there's like uh, social return on investment ah. and all of those different index indices. Okay. Again, those are going to be in the show notes. Just if you, really? you want to know. Yes. So That's fun to read. Okay. Yes. Yes. Read right. it before you go to sleep so yes, that you go, you go to sleep. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes. So, so no, then these like, are... What is social return of investment? <laughs> I cannot sleep. Uh, yes, like that. It's all very important right. and very valuable measurements but okay. again it will really vary um, from industry to industry okay. so for us we used to measure a lot and yeah. then now we narrow down our measurements to a few things but I'd like to name one in particular okay. which is savings retention so all of our artisans now are not part of the 80 plus percent Filipinos who are unbanked wow. they are banked so they have um uh, savings accounts with card as well. So they have passbooks, savings passbooks. And for a lot of them, it's the first thing that ever had their names on it. Yes, because they don't have birth certificates or land titles or other things or identification cards. Right. But now they have that passbook and it has their names on it. Mm -hmm. And um, they see their money grow. And wow. it's very empowering. So we realize that if a person has savings and the savings account is active, that means a person has surplus. Nice. And if a person has surplus, a person can plan for the future. Right. Because that's one of the things we take for granted is that our surplus allows us to think about next week. And if you're in poverty, you can only think about your next meal. So how are you going to lift yourself out of poverty if you're always on survival mode? So for us, savings retention is such an important metric because it tells you the whole story about their future, what they can earn, what they can spend, and they mm. usually spend it on education, on healthcare. So now we understand that when they have savings and it's active, they can budget shit out. Yes, and they can yeah. really lift themselves out of poverty because it's not enough to just have income. Mark is just yeah. looking at you and he's like, oh my God, this is my one. <laughs> <woman." laughs> he's just like, this is a bedtime talk, by right. the way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, no, but, so the, yeah. for you, yeah, but on the Mark, what's side, your metric? Yeah, so, well, these are micro businesses. Yeah. And so there's like a bunch of stuff that we really look into, especially on the impact side. Right. And so what we normally do is we try to run baseline surveys. Okay. It's very hard to do when you're dealing with thousands of Sari Sari stores. Right. But whenever we have the capacity to do so, what we normally do is sort of like get a sample size of that. Right. And we get uh, baseline information. Okay. Um, like, for example, are the kids going to school? Okay. Et cetera, et cetera. So okay. these different kinds of things. No. So like... Elements of well-being. So it's, but ultimately, the simplest way to me measure it that we look at is really tomatas bayonkita, which is there are the earnings go. increasing because that's that's you know the easiest metric mm -hmm. in a way to measure. Mm -hmm. uh, sounds 
easy in theory, right? But yep. of course, that means also helping the nanas on the record keeping and being able to compute how much they're earning. Yes. Shout out to Chatbot. Chatbot PH, PH. number one. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we created a product that helps them do that at yeah, scale too, yeah. using a platform yeah. that they all know you, to yeah. use, which is Messenger. Yes. So absolutely, and so that at least gives us you know an idea, and it's never a hundred percent precise. Correct. But it is at least giving us uh, an better animation. than nothing. Right. Absolutely, and mm-hmm. pre-Chatbot, it was. You know, one of the core tenets that we had was called Paglilista. Right. So that's like a... And then that's sort of like on the impact side. Part of the impact side also is we try to look at behavior change. Yes. Um, and so that's something we try to measure in terms of the the training side as well. Got it. So are they actually doing the record keeping? Are they actually adopting some of the business practices? Mm-hmm. And are these now actually translating to, you know, better store performance? Okay. Now let's take another break. And when we come back, let's talk, pay it forward to those people who... Want to follow your footsteps? Hopefully, they can find Are another. They sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. 
So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break for the final part of the Hustle Share podcast with the power couple of social enterprise. I've, I've learned, I was just at awe, and I, I was looking at Mark the whole time, looking at you, and just like, that's my baby girl right there. <laughs> <laughs> so again, Reese by this time is, uh, how many, how far out are you? Uh, um, uh, I'm about to give birth, not now. Okay, but by not the time, <laughs> by the time, this is the baby probably has already come out. So burrito is going to be a kuya burrito. Yeah, We're taco. What's the name of Tec- taco? <laughs> this one is just Rafa for okay, now. Okay. So I don't know. <laughs> Got it. All right. So that's good. Now, first question I wanted to ask in order to pay it forward. Now, for fundraising for social enterprises, who hmm. are going to be the ones that actually fund startups like this or businesses like this? And how hard is it compared to in a tech startup like us, per se? Like, okay, evaluation, do a pitch, whatever. <laughs> There's sort of like a standard now. For you guys, how do you guys do that? And who do you approach? Uh, maybe just ask the question first if you need to approach anyone and oh. if you want to. So You're bootstrapping? Because, no, I mean, I wish we did in the beginning. I mean, okay. I love all of the investors right. that came into R2R and right. they're still good friends up to now. Right. But honestly, we could have bootstrapped it from the beginning. Wow. Yeah, so you have to also evaluate where you are and where you want to go okay. and how fast you want to go. Because we realized, again, that we're a livelihood, craft, handmade <laughs> social right, enterprise. Right. So when you um, welcome investors in, of course, their expectations are very different. Right. And usually, when you welcome investors in, it will be all about scale. Okay. It's really mostly exactly. all right. about scale. And they want to accelerate everything. Exactly. But scale looks very different for every single organization. So you have to be careful about that. So mm-hmm. if you could bootstrap it from the start because that's the nature of your business, okay. do that. But if you really need it because it's the nature of your business, again, mm-hmm. if you're if you have a tech play or something and right, you need right. scale and like economies of scale and everything like that, mm-hmm. then maybe get the right investors. But, but, but who and what do you look for from them? 
Well, there are foundations and there are impact ah, investors. Okay. So the foundations would probably give you grants in the beginning. Yes. And yes, please look for more free money in the beginning. Yes, grants. <laughs> free so money is there's great. There's <laughs> one person that uh, guested here before. She is from uh, InvestEd. Carmina Bayombong. Yeah, yeah, she her. is a master yeah, of yeah, getting yeah. grants. Yes. My goodness. This you is have to be. Of, yeah. <laughs> no, and that's what her social social work do. And then she's like, you know what? The skill that I mastered was getting a right white paper or whatever that paper was and getting a fucking award-winning grant paper. Exactly. Like that. Yes, you have to learn that. Um, mm-hmm. For impact investors, they could give you um, also some grants. It depends mm-hmm. on who they are and what their priorities are. Right. Um, some really... Um, good terms with loans and equity mm. but again be careful because it's not just money that you're putting into your organization yeah. it's also their decisions and yes. um, the things that they are prioritizing right. so you have to make sure you're aligned got it and that, that goes for any investor whether you're a social enterprise yeah. or whatnot yeah, yeah, yeah. if you buy, let someone buy equity into your company you're now giving them a chance to actually influence you whenever fucking way it doesn't matter how much equity they have yes they're a part owner you're a partner you're you're married to them. Unfortunately, yes. there's no divorce. The only divorce is dilution or you buy them out. Yeah. And that's usually a messy process. So yeah. be very careful. For Mark, yeah. for you guys, how no, did you yeah, raise funds? What's, what's very, very important is that when you raise funds, so I mentioned we're a hybrid. Right. So definitely there's that portion through our foundation is which really the grants come Right. But in terms of the investors in Happy Noy, we're quite lucky. Okay. Because, uh, you know, the people around the board are very united in terms of like what the core purpose or mission of the organization is. Got it. And if you look at, and when you look at investments from a social enterprise side, um, it would be great for not just money, but really strategic fit and core purpose alignment. Mm. So if you look at the investors we have, and some have been from the very beginning, like uh, Manny DeLune of Activatia. So, of course, he works a lot with the FMCGs and Activation. So that's a very good complement as well to to do. But CARD, of course, you don't look any further away from CARD, wherein they're microfinance, they're helping millions of nanas already. So there's just a a great strategic fit there. And core purpose alignment. Mm -hmm. Um, There's Exchange, which is a local impact investor. Got it. Um, And then there's Tao, actually, common common investor with Iba over here. So, yeah. So, and they're like, you know, they're a very, very progressive um, uh, company and okay. it comes to Sari Sari stores as well. So, and then there are the international impact investors as well. Of course. And so these are the people you also look at in terms of when you're raising the larger amounts. Okay. But you have to be very, very careful because you're absolutely right. A tech VC will be very different from, say, an impact investor. And right. uh, it's, a, it's very difficult for a social enterprise mm. um, to, to, in a way... Um, sort of like um, dilute itself in terms of uh, purpose. But of course, it doesn't mean that you don't engage. You have to engage. You have to to manage it. But that's uh, that's the bullet you buy. You have to engage. And you have to also give way. But um, what's just important is that you don't lose sight of, hey, why are we doing this in the first place? The North Star, right. Absolutely. Okay, now, in terms of skills, right? um, You came in with different backgrounds. What skills did you have to develop that you needed in order to run this better? Because see, we we can't, we can't, we we you don't just come in like all right I'm gonna be good at this fuck this right you know you eventually learn to adjust but it becomes a total skill that mm-hmm. without it it this won't work okay. what what did you have all to right. develop maybe I'll I'll start in this one so I mentioned I came from a corporate background right and you know um, and I think the core skill especially if you're trying to be a social entrepreneur or even an entrepreneur in general right one of the most important lessons I learned is humility because. 
I came from a background wherein I'm sitting in the head office. Uh, I discuss a lot with people. You know, we put together a plan. We send out the plan, and the ground troops implement. Yep. Uh, and so, in the very early days of Happy Noi, I would always remember that that was the approach I naively had, wherein nanice, this is how we should be doing things, and you know, this is how we do inventory management. This is how, etc., etc., etc. And only to learn, you know, that without pandering, they knew a lot more intuitively. Mm-hmm. And so we had to shift the conversation now. We're in, how can we learn together? Because right. you bring something to the table. They bring so much to the table. And how do you sort of like meet halfway and build something that could actually work for them and for you? And so I would say that that, I mean, I'm not sure if it's a skill or a value, but yeah. a humility to listen and to learn mm-hmm. from the ground, especially if you're trying to be a social entrepreneur because not unless you actually lived what they lived. Right, absolutely. For you, Reese, was there any uh, skills that you had to develop uh, uh, during this thing that became like the key vital thing that you uh, use now? There is so much because I didn't come from any work background except right. for the academia mm-hmm. as well. This so, this really made you per se. Yes. Yeah, right. So I really didn't have like the experience or the leadership experience or anything like that. Uh-huh. So I had to come in like with humility, which I didn't have because when you graduate from Ateneo, sorry, but sometimes <laughs> you feel that you know you know a lot of things and that you're we're you're still, always we only know the route to Espana or the Pitan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're always propped up as like the cream of the crop and then right. you're gonna change the world so right. but yeah that that quickly quickly disappears okay. but I think the, the raw skills that I had like get going out of college that really helped me right. and I hope it will help younger people too now is one I'm not afraid of numbers so please don't be afraid of numbers because you'll really really need it right. um, in social enterprise or in anywhere you go yep. so be comfortable with numbers two is a little bit more trivial but I think it's so important in what I do now it has increased my productivity by a lot, but I'm a touch typist. So guys, just practice that because you will write a lot of things. You will write a lot of cold emails. Um, I also write really fast. Right. So those are the things that I think were important in the wow. beginning, just the raw skills and just the ability and discipline to learn. Okay. Like even if you don't know, just learn it anyway. Um, but the things that I had to learn along the way there are so many so business in general because I came from a business course but that doesn't really mean anything unless you're in the real world and you really know what business means Mm -hmm. Um, I had to learn that cash flow management yes so important yes don't buy that 14th speaker or 14th (laughs) whatever shit you need you don't need that yes (laughs) so watch it like a hawk every single day as Mm -hmm. much as possible um, make sure you take care of your team and your people. Yes. Um, as a leader, you have to always check yourself mm-hmm. um, that this is not just about you, but it's about everyone else in this boat with you. Yep. So I, I learned, I think I gradually learned to be a better leader and a better person throughout this whole journey because we had so many humbling experiences. Yeah. Um, and the I think the, the best thing that I learned is how to deal with failure. Because there are times when you really feel that you're so heartbroken, you're so broken up, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, um, but you still have to go somewhere. You still have to dust yourself off yeah. and like stand up and do it again. So 
that's a really important skill to have. That yeah. determination to just always stand up even when you fall so many times. Okay, you already gave me a president to what my next question is, which is right here. <laughs> what was that biggest failure for you guys that, that, you, that eventually turned you to be better? Should I do it? Okay, so uh, I, I always say now that I'd rather say I almost failed than I almost made it. So... This time, we're so happy that it was an almost failed and not almost made it. Um, R2R had so many near-death experiences throughout the 12 years of existence. And the biggest one happened just a few years ago. That's 2016. Wow. So we made a lot of mistakes in the past, just to cut this short. Um, And the sins of the past just caught up with us eventually. And all of the decisions that we made... um, the the people that we that we got advice from who are very well meaning but at the same time you know at the end of the day it's yeah, our decision correct so you take it with a grain of salt yes right and our inexperience also um, didn't allow us to have the wisdom to understand like what advice is best for us at right. this point so we made a lot of mistakes so we had that very very super near-death experience 2016 during the time that I was pregnant with our first baby. Whoa. Yeah. It was was so hard. Wow. Um, I remember crying almost every day um, during my first trimester, which is the most dangerous trimester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so crazy. I was was scared about what Rita would be like when he came out. He was a very happy baby now. (laughs) Absolutely I kind of, maybe I just absorbed all the (laughs) negative energy. Yes. I was wondering how he looks like, if he looks super problematic when he comes out. Um, like an old man with lots of problems yeah but that was really hard and so it was together with our first baby and it's really hard like to figure out Um, and we were able to get through that not just because of our determination but also Mm. because of a lot of luck a lot of support from some of the partners that we tapped right Um, there were so many things that had to happen all at once yep for us to survive, and all of them did. Nice. So, so I remember yeah. that list. I remember right. yeah. that list. What were, what were again, yeah. just without divulging too much, what were those <laughs> things that happened to, to, that, that the stars aligned in a certain way where, you know, the Avengers, you had to get that extra whatever there pin like particle? Organizations, right? people we had to convince okay. um, yes. to renegotiate some things. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to manage cash flow like a, like a hawk. Wow. Uh, every single week. I, I still remember that. And um, um, yeah, like I think two weeks after I gave birth, which yeah. my wounds are still healing. Right. Uh, we Literally. Had, we had, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were pitching. So what? I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> walk. I couldn't walk yeah, so much. I remember that. And, yeah. and, and uh, the guy was only available in the southern part and we live in the northern part. But no, yeah, we, we, went we, there. We, we went there. But uh, that worked. That partnership worked out quite Wow. Well. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we went there and he was <laughs> so worried about me yeah. because I couldn't walk. I was just walking like... Like, like, yeah, a, baby steps. Like, baby steps, literally, right. because my wound is still healing. So, he was so worried. He's like, You know, don't worry about this. This is just work. We're going to help you. Just wow. take care of yourself. Because it was like barely yeah. two weeks after giving birth. It that was really hard. Yeah. Now, I, I'm curious too. This is a personal question. So, I've seen so many couples, you know, make it like, you know, um, as a, and it's hard to make this work. 
to work with your significant other. What's your secret in making this work? Because, you know, especially if you're two headstrong people, yeah. you know, eventually you're going to bump heads. <laughs> yes. Let's fucking call that a spade, right? But how do you make it work <laughs> where, you know, when you come home, it's it's not like, fuck you, you didn't fucking sign my shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not right. easy, you know. Okay. Uh, and truthfully, it's really not easy. Um, and, you know, Reese can bump my heads a number of times. Okay. I guess, like, um, maybe it's for me personally. Right. Uh, it's easy for me to compartmentalize. Got it. And so, like, uh, there were a lot of times when, like, Reese, blah, 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 blah. And we, like, talking about work. And it's like I'm driving and sort of like in the car and then right, like right. sort of like in maybe an intense work mode. Yeah. And sometimes it irritates her. Okay. Uh, but like when it's <laughs> why are you scared right it's now? True. <laughs> <laughs> when, 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 when right after that, dude, I'm like, dude, right after that, okay, work is done. Sort of like the ten minutes we're gonna talk about work in my head right, is right, done. Right. Okay. And so like, hey, honey, can we go back to being? Huh? And she's like, I am still, you know, sort of. Not out of that mode yet. Yeah. And so what we had to learn was like we have to set some boundaries. Okay. Where we is there a magic word that, okay, <laughs> that you have to like a safe we're, word? Yeah, that was sort of like we need to, you know, if we're going to talk about work, we have to sort of like discuss it professionally as well. When yeah. do we discuss it? Right. And maybe sometimes not in the middle of the night when I would wake up or something. <laughs> yes. And I think um, one of the important things is really open communication, even if it's hard. Yeah. Like um, sometimes... Sometimes you don't feel like saying it anymore because yeah. medyo inis ka na or right. you're super irritated or annoyed or right. you don't think it's going anywhere. Right. But I think the practice that I've also um, done for myself mm. is that I'm going to call it out even if it's hard. Even if wow. I feel that it's going to be a conflict between us, I have to call it out and say, you know, we have to meet, we have to discuss this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that this is not good communication because you always have to work on your communication. Of course. Because before you know it, you're not talking anymore. Exactly. So I think that's how a lot of marriages like degrade eventually. Oh, and marriage evolve. 101. <laughs> that's so true. Ultimately, we have to talk. We have that's to, ultimate, yeah. At the end of the day, uh-huh. to make it work, you gotta talk. So yeah. we're wired differently. Mm-hmm. You might be infused by a common purpose, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to hammer it out. We have to talk. And we can't go to sleep not having resolved something. Got it. Last few questions. What's the biggest takeaway? You've been, how long have you been doing this for, for each, each other? Like 10 years? Long Over 10 time. years? Or, <laughs> 12. Right? 12 What's years. something that, you know, at, at, at the end of it all, uh, that you'll take, like, you know what? This is, I, I've, I've, I've created an impact. What's that most memorable mo- moment for each of you or together, whatever? Um, that you'll take that you know what I've made that impact that th- this is I'm 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 good with this yeah if, you, if push comes to shove whatever yeah so I think a lot of the misconception in social enterprise is that you are creating impact in the community yeah. but actually the community is also making an impact on you and yeah. people um, who are like you who may feel in the beginning that they're so messianic and can save everyone yep. but in the end you realize you're really part of a big community and yeah. you're just doing your part mm-hmm. so the first impact that I saw was in myself like the humility that it gave me working with these communities and learning a lot from them yeah. um, if you met me 12 years ago it's a very different person Okay, it's more uh, like just just 
too confident okay. and too uh, pushy. But now it's really about collaboration and really right. working together with communities. Right. But the second one, I think, is the systemic change in the communities where... I remember this moment so clearly because all of the savings passbooks of the community artisans came to our office and we laid them out on the table and we took a panoramic shot because there's a lot of them. Wow. Yeah, and there are even savings passbooks. I should have got the 360 from Mr. Iba Bernardo. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there are even passbooks right. that are from their mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very momentous occasion because that's a very like a physical symbol yeah. of where they are now and what they could do with it. So wow. it was like and it's a tangible lot of too that they can actually hold it. Yes. And That's the second amazing. one from the community is in the beginning we would always hear Palibre naman. Right. Like when we go there, it's right. always oh treat us banana queue. Banana queue or gulaman, whatever. Right. And I think it was because of distrust. Right. Like, they don't trust us to stay there. So, they're just going to get whatever they can Got while it. they can while we're there. Right. Arbor so, is life. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you take pictures of us, we ask for merienda from you. Of you know? course. Of so, course. of course. And I really understand that because they've been left behind so many times yeah. that they're just going to get whatever, right? Right. And... Honestly, they've been exploited so many times that merienda right. is really nothing. But um, a few years later, after working with them for such a long time, now the artisans are the ones sponsoring the Christmas parties. Wow! They bring their food. Oh my and, God. Yeah. And every time they go to the office, they bring their biko or their pancit. Oh, we we gain so much yet. weight. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And oh so we realize God. that, you know, when you foster trust, when you build trust and you build Bridges, it just creates a community out of the everyone. Yeah. So it's not the community that you are helping. It's a community that you're part of now. And I think that's more magical and more significant than just being an outsider helping a community. That is amazing. For you, Mark, well, what's that for you from the nanais? Hopefully there's some tatais too. But there's, yeah, there's a lot okay. of tatais as well, but <laughs> probably around 5%. Right. Uh, I still think we're still in a continuum. Okay. Um, and I guess when I say that, I don't think the journey continues. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot to be grateful about and there's a lot to be, you know, reflecting. Right. Uh, and all of these stories that we could share and anecdotes and all of the nanas that I've yeah. come across, literally thousands now yeah. uh, since we started. But I, I think there's still so much more we can do. Okay. Um, and... That point in time that you're saying that maybe we can say, okay, that's enough. Maybe, maybe that's for the next podcast. Okay, that we'll, we'll have that, that yeah, year, episode it 2005. Feel, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel, right. <laughs> and maybe it's good to still have this feeling that we can still do more. Got it. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? Let's just talk, talk about that before we wrap this baby up. What's next for you guys? And uh, invite people over to, if they want to support or if they want to do, how do they do that and where, where do they go? Yeah, so for us, um, the best way to still support like companies like us, inclusive uh, businesses, is to, of course, uh, choose us in your for your lifestyle. Right. So for... Our to our products, you could go to www.thingsthatmatter.ph. That's our online platform where we sell other social enterprises products as well, yep. including Rags to Riches. There so you, you could look at it there. Um, we're also part of several 
um, pop-ups towards yep. the end of the year. So you could follow us at um, on Instagram. So that's Rags to Riches Inc. with the number two. So Rags to Riches Inc. Yep. Uh, so you go there and just follow us and yep. follow where we go next. All right. So again, I have from, from myself, good luck with the, the delivery. I know you're going to have oh, a yeah, that's right. dancing that's next baby also. soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you work? It's much better year. Yeah. yeah. So go to facebook.com slash happynoy. Yep. Um, and there's you'll see our multiple programs where you could support uh, either our Samang Happynoy, our Happy Escuela, or our Happynoy Bismo. So there's a number of things that, that we're doing there. Right. Um, what's next is basically there's like, you know, the environment's always changing. Yep. And, um, and we're always in this continuous um, journey towards always upgrading how we support our nanas. The okay. core program has never changed. It will always be training and community building and microfinance and business opportunities. But of course, there's this increasing lens of how do you do that at scale? And there are now opportunities in technology and yep. working with a number of partners, obviously. And so we're very, very excited about all these collaborations as long as we don't lose our North Star. There you go. Again, congratulations for the new bouncing baby by this time. It, hopefully, it's already out. And again, guys, don't forget to uh, go join our community. We have a community too of hustlers. Uh, go to the Hustle Share community on Facebook. And don't forget to message us on the Hustle Share chatbot at m.me slash chatbotph. And don't forget to support Pinoy Podcasters as well. Go to Podcast Network Asia and listen to the other podcasts that's part of the network. And again, Mark and Reese, thank you very much. Thank and you. congratulations. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. <laughs>